What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ladies Let's Talk About Sex podcast. I'm your host, Felicia, and I'm a lady talking about sex. And this week, we have a very special guest with us. We have Taylor Nolan, um, an incredible woman with an incredible podcast, very similar to ours. Um, So Taylor, do you want to introduce yourself and let everyone know who you are and what you do? Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, My name is Taylor Nolan, and most people recognize me or have followed me from being on The Bachelor and then on Bachelor in Paradise. Um, I work as a mental health counselor, as a therapist in in Seattle, Washington, and have a podcast called Talk About It, where I talk about mental and sexual health, um, taboo topics, social justice. Um, I've been doing that since 2017. um, And yeah, I'm, I think that's it. I'm like going through all the list of things in my head. Um, but I think yeah, I host the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I host the podcast. I do psychotherapy. Um, I do partnerships on Instagram and try to, you know, use my Instagram as a source, not only for, you know, education and, and information, but also just to like show up authentically and hopefully connect with people through being vulnerable and sharing my stories and um, sharing all my, my thoughts and whatnot. Um, and my Instagram is at Taymocha, T-A-Y-M-O-C-H-A. So that's the best place to find me. No, I love that. And one of my favorite parts about your Instagram um, is just how multifaceted it is you know you can kind of go there and you can hear about you talk about dating and sex but then you know there's so many educational tools and resources and even just things that Mm -hmm. I've used uh, to essentially like enlighten me with things Mm -hmm. that I don't really necessarily know too much about Um, Mm -hmm. and just it's just so multi-dimensional which I think is so incredible and something that a lot of women have not necessarily trouble doing, but we're not typically conditioned to mm-hmm. be that dimensional and have that much substance to us. And, you know, we're yeah. kind of told growing up, you know, you, you have to be a nice girl and you have to do mm-hmm. this and follow this norm and that norm. And one of the things that I think you do so well, and which is why I kind of wanted to talk to you about, you know, professionalism and positivity and all that great stuff is because you articulate yourself so well but you're also so relatable. So it's, it's, there's so much to mm. you that I, I feel like a lot of people relate to. Um, mm-hmm. So, and, and just because, you know, you're a psychotherapist, but you're also a social media influencer. It's, it's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I, yeah. I, I, I try. I definitely, um, you know, sometimes I just try to just show up as myself and, understand that, you know, I don't have to put myself in a box, that there are so many different parts of my personality, so many different ways I like to express myself. And those don't always have to necessarily be like done in the same way. So I do try my best just in daily life to allow myself to be all the things that I feel I am and and allow myself to show up wherever I'm at and try to also just do that as a mirror on on Instagram, which is definitely difficult because as you said, we're definitely not conditioned to think that that's acceptable or that that's, you know, a successful or valuable or worthy image of what being a woman is. But, um, I mean, really it's kind of just like, that's, 
being human that as as a human we're gonna we're gonna be really complex like we're super complex individuals and um i just think it's important to allow space for all those parts so that's kind of what i what i aim to do <laughs> uh, no i think it's such a great you're such a great role model for i think young girls because i think we're in a movement where this is becoming a little bit more accepted, but even me myself, when I started having open conversations about sex and my sexuality and yeah. how I was going and navigating that, you know, my family was not super mm-hmm. responsive to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of want to know maybe what are some of the challenges that you have faced, you know, being so multifaceted and how has that affected mm-hmm. you? And beyond even social media, but being like a biracial yeah. woman and being young and super intelligent, that's a very intimidating thing for, you mm-hmm. know, people who try and oppress us. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, first, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I don't necessarily consider myself super intelligent. <laughs> Um, I'm really, really bad at math. Uh, like I always say, I'm like, there's some things I like when I know something, I really know it. And there's a lot of things I really don't know. Um, but thank you. That's very nice of you. Um, and yeah, you know, when it comes to like family, even how you just kind of shared that, like family is not super receptive to that. Like, I think it's, it's important to understand that like we also have boundaries around our openness, right? And boundaries doesn't necessarily mean filtering ourselves, but how we're going to honor ourselves. So like a family member might disagree with something that you've done, right? And that might feel like, oh, okay, then now maybe I shouldn't talk about this, but it really might just be that boundary of honoring yourself and saying, you can disagree with me and you cannot, you know, like this part of me, but this is still me and I'm going to honor and respect myself in showing up in this way. Um, you know, for me personally, like my family, I've, I've always kind of been open about this stuff. Like publicly it's been more in the last year, but you know, privately in my day to day life, I've always wanted to talk about sex. I've always been that person that like growing up, would tell my mom too many details and she'd be like, Taylor, come on. And I'd be like, well, mom, like who else am I supposed to learn these things from? How, like, who else am I supposed to talk to about these things? And, um, you know, we have a history in our family of, uh, teen pregnancy and just having, you know, unplanned pregnancies early in life. And I've been the first person to kind of break that cycle. And a large part of that is because we have these conversations and, Granted, a lot of it wasn't necessarily my mom providing me with a lot of education, but that it was just, I could talk about it. Um, And that that was really important. And part of that really was just me being a big talker and being like, I don't give a fuck if everyone else feels uncomfortable. Like, I want to know, like, what do you do after you have anal sex? Like, how am I supposed to like take care of myself? (laughs) Um, And talking with my grandma about this stuff as well. Um, But yeah, I definitely have recognized throughout my life where being a young person, being a young woman, being a young woman who's biracial, being a young woman who's biracial with an education, um, that it can be intimidating for some people and not just in the dating realm, but just in general that, you know, having a strong personality, being unapologetically yourself definitely intimidates people. And again, to the boundary thing of respecting and honoring yourself, I really try to remember like, just because this person's uncomfortable doesn't mean I need to shrink down. 
Like I can still show up and be full and be whole and that person be uncomfortable. And that's for them to sit with. That's for them to process and reflect on. Not that I'm doing anything wrong by showing up myself. Granted, if I'm like causing harm, you know, that's a different story here, but typically that's not the case. (laughs) No, a hundred percent. And I think that that's a wonderful thing that we have to start teaching, you know, young individuals who are outspoken and who may have different, you know, political views or understandings of the world than, you know, maybe the older generations and their families do. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think that you put yourself in a little bit more harm when you're just arguing with a brick wall. Um, (laughs) And I've definitely done that a few times in my life. Uh, I have some stubborn family members, but I Mm -hmm. think that that's also important because, you know, even now with, um, as we're, as we're, you know, moving through the Black Lives Matter movement and Mm -hmm. even the Trans Lives Matter movement and pride and everything that's kind of going on in the world, I think that important conversations need to be had, but our voices also need to be used in a productive manner and not just like I'm yelling at my you know, Definitely. stubborn uncle. That's <laughs> yes, no, totally. And I mean, this is a conversation I've had with clients, with friends, even my own family, where like I've been in this position so many times where, you know, someone kind of asks for help, but you can tell like they don't really actually want the help that it's asked in a combative way or their defenses are already up. And where then I try to go in and I'm like, okay, yeah, no, I will tell you. And really that person was never open to hearing it in the first place. So again, to respect your own emotional energy, sometimes it's really powerful to just say to whoever it is that has a supposing view of, are you open to hearing my perspective? And if you can tell that they're not, then sometimes it's, it's, it can be a form of resistance to say, well, you know, I'm not feeling safe in conversation. I'm not feeling like we'll be productive or that you're, you know, that you'll be able to really hear me on this and I want to be able to hear you as well. Uh, so, you know, I think we should maybe save this conversation for another time or, you know, I'd love to provide some resources for you. Um, and maybe after you check those out then we could have a discussion about it. But for me, going into those conversations with people who clearly are already combat or are being defensive questions, I'm like, are you ready to have a conversation? Because if you really want to, then absolutely, I will put in that emotional energy to have that. But if this is like some kind of game and just trying to prove a point, then that's not where I'm putting my energy. No, 100%. And I think that this is something that probably trickles into your dating life. I know it's definitely trickled into mine. I was at a party a couple nights ago with a couple people that I didn't really know. And I was just chatting about sex and orgasms and this guy was like, okay, I can't, yeah. I can't be here. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, you know what, pal, go hit the road. Like, it's not, you know, yeah. you're definitely not it for me. But how has that affected, you know, your dating life? And maybe a positive way or it could be negative? Yeah. So it's, it's definitely, I mean, you can roll right off the bat if um, it's going to be my vibe or not based on how they react to me saying that um, I'm in training to be a sex therapist, um, which is now actually changing. I wasn't training to be certified, but now I'm actually 
canceling the training. And instead, in September, I'm going to be starting my PhD in clinical sexology. So instead, congratulations. Instead oh, my <laughs> God. That's so exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, very excited about it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting because just even when I say that that's my background, right, there's some kind of reaction I can typically tell from that point, like, if now I'm a sense of novelty to them, if now I'm a resource to them, or if it's like they're, they've been down a similar, you know, self-sexual exploration path to where we can communicate and kind of speak the same language. Um, even in terms of like when they look at my Instagram and see vibrators on there, right? It's like, okay, am I now being hypersexualized because they're like, oh yeah, like you want to, like, can I see your vibrators? And it's like, I literally haven't met you yet. So no, um, but it's, it has helped me to kind of narrow in, uh, my, my lovers, I suppose, like that energy, that vibe, um, you know, my last lover Canadian in Toronto, um, y'all got some good ones up there. <laughs> um, but literally in our first conversation when we met, um, in September, was about, you know, openness and exploring sexuality and um, even like poly dynamics. And it was like, oh, like if he can have a conversation about this and it not be this like thing where he's overly excited or he's like intimidated and trying to like puff himself up because he's intimidated by me, like just the defenses were down. It was just, we were on the same wavelength. And then I was like, yeah, we definitely want to have sex with each other <laughs> um, <laughs> and attack each other. So it, it's definitely helped, I think, to like be, have a more intentional like curation of my lovers than in the past. Um, because now it's kind of like, you know, I'm not someone that you're just going to fuck with. Like, I'm going to be someone that this is going to get a little bit deeper with. This is going to be something that, you know, if we are going to be intimate, that is going to be hella intentional and hella pleasurable because I'm not doing this like bullshit. I'm here to just please you and for you to get off game that, you know, women typically find themselves in and that society kind of reinforces. Um, so it's, it in some ways is <laughs> difficult, but in other ways, like, it has been a huge benefit to my dating life because even just even in, in networking of other people who discuss these topics as well, um, it's led me to just have a really, really great network and source of social support in this field. No, a hundred percent. And honestly, like I just started my nonprofit last year and you were on honestly one of my first um, resources within the community. So it was really nice to just have someone who was doing the same thing as I was. And I, I'm 20. So I, I started when I was 19 and it was definitely something that was not the coolest thing I would say yeah. I mean obviously like now oh, my friends are super supportive and they they are more <laughs> uh -huh. interested than I am because they're just like oh I need to ask her about this or that or whatever but yeah I think that it's honestly helped me weed out so mm -hmm. many douchebags um, yeah just because it, it it's the exact thing you bring it up in the first conversation and even if it's just something mm -hmm. super minor their reaction mm -hmm. is so telling of their character super and mm -hmm. so it's so nice when, you know, I've definitely had the plethora of just like stupid reactions. But then when, yeah. when you get a response of 
reaction and it's it's engaging and encouraging and mm-hmm. and they're also well educated in themselves too it's like whoa that's really yeah. hot like <laughs> yes. yep exactly exactly <laughs> but um because on top of you know your um your career in sexual health you're also a psychotherapist and that's that also comes in with its own you know oh yeah i don't want to say taboos but no, you're totally right. It comes with its own taboo, its own, its own stigma. And a lot of how I think I get perceived in dating and in social dynamics is as this threat, um, you know, at social gatherings when it's like, oh, what do you do? And it's like, oh, I'm a therapist. Or like, oh, like massage therapist. I'm like, psychotherapist. <laughs> um, it immediately is like, oh, like, are you going to psychoanalyze us? Or like, okay, so what are you going to diagnose me with? Or like, oh yeah, so I've been looking for one. And I've definitely had people like try to basically date me just to like help themselves. And I'm like, no, oh my God, <laughs> not what this is. <laughs> like you're going to have to pay me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Ethical. Um, but there definitely is its own uh, kind of stigma attached to being a psychotherapist and people, you know, kind of just assuming this, uh, this level of judgment, which is like not even what psychotherapists do. Um, but it's, it's definitely intimidating for people, especially when they haven't done their own work. Um, it tends to like trigger people's insecurities and that gets shown pretty quickly as well. Their, their reactions are pretty telling. Um, but again, when someone's work, right, when someone has had the experience, when someone has educated themselves a bit, um, then it leads to some really great deeper conversations, but certainly in dating, even within my family, you know, my, my responses during conflict sometimes are perceived as like, Oh, are you trying to like, you know, therapize me. And I'm like, first of all, no, like I'm literally just trying to like have a productive conversation and I happen to be educated in how to do that. And like, don't be intimidated by me using my skills. If anything, see that as a gift, right. And see that as a positive that, um, we can kind of have this extra guidance through our conflict. Um, but totally understandable where it makes people feel uncomfortable. It's, you know, it's a layer I've had to deal with for most of my life, even before being a therapist, because I was always so interested in psychology and in kind of these, you know, relationship dynamics. So um, it has just kind of always felt like a part of my life, even pre-therapist, that I was already kind of in the in the shoes of, of being a helper. I, I, I think it's so important what you noted about you know, those who are insecure kind of pick at um, just the idea of like what a psychotherapist is just because like me, myself, I've been to therapy. I've been to therapy for years and like, Mm -hmm. I love my therapist. Like, I think she's so nice. (laughs) She's like my friend. (laughs) And so it it just like, it's, I feel like it's such utter ignorance when they just assume um, that like there's malintention there. But also I think that you know, not only like therapists, but those who like educate themselves on, you know, Mm -hmm. psychology and like the psychology of conversations and how to diffuse situations, de-escalate. It's so important to have. And it's such a skill that I wish they taught in school. And so I I would love to have a therapist around every time I have an argument. (laughs) It's so so nice. You, You just get to the point and then 
you move on. And it's also, it's also, you know, on one hand, it's also not to say that therapists handle conflict perfectly in their personal lives. Um, You know, even almost everything we've talked about can be applied to my season of The Bachelor. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And it's, it's interesting because people on one hand have this expectation and this fear that therapists know everything, think they're better than everyone else, are scared of them using their education or, you know, pointing out things to people that they already feel insecure about or perhaps are scared to become aware of. Yet then when, when therapists actually show themselves right, as being subjective and aren't going down that path, then we get shamed for being imperfect. And we get shamed for, well, you're a therapist. Well, okay, so I'm going to be a therapist when it's convenient for you to label me as that, but you won't let me just show up as who I am. Um, So it's an interesting, (laughs) interesting, dichotomy that's for sure yeah yeah and it's like an interesting role to navigate just as a person let alone as a biracial young woman who's also dating so it's it's a fun time (laughs) it's definitely it's so frustrating to like hear because Mm -hmm. also on top of that you're so young and Mm -hmm. it's it's incredible to think that you have all these things going for you, but each individual thing within that, you know, creates its own issue with other people or people bring their issues within your, your kind of identity Mm -hmm. and who you are. And so, uh, you know, with the psychotherapy and with the, you know, social media presence, do you think your age has also been um, like a, a point of target essentially, because you are very young. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and I love that you keep saying how young I am because in like a few weeks I'm going <laughs> to turn 27 where I'm like, I'm officially going to be in my late twenties. Like, okay, here we go. Um, but no, so yeah, that's so young for all the things that you've done no, totally. in your life. Oh my God. Yeah. No, it totally is still young. And I don't feel, um, I don't feel like, Oh my God, I'm going to be in my late twenties. It's kind of like, okay, yeah. Like I'm really stepping into like being, I mean, I already feel like an adult and feel like a woman, but it's like just this extra transition of like, yeah, like it actually felt very empowering. The other week I was on FaceTime with Vanessa, who is like my chosen sister, met her on the show. Um, and I was on FaceTime with her just like reflecting about it. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be 27. And like, you know what? Like no more fucking around. I was like, I'm <laughs> like, I'm really, I'm going to be on my grown woman shit. Like, I was just like, damn, like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not playing games anymore. Like, I was just like, I'm going to be even more intentional with my life moving forward. Um, So it's kind of felt like empowering. And I hope it, I hope that age continues to feel that way. But definitely I've been the youngest in the spaces I'm in and i graduated with my bachelor's in three years and then went straight into my master's. So I graduated with my master's at 22 years old, which immediately put a target on my back. And unfortunately wasn't something that people, I mean, some people obviously, but that the louder voices, um, didn't, didn't uplift that, uh, before even my season aired, just, you know, when IO comes out and my just basic information comes out, there was so much judgment and hatred and people literally trying to like discredit 
the fact that I had my degree or even my license because I was licensed before I even went on the show. Uh, I was didn't have to start seeing clients. So started, but um, you know, like people literally trying to disprove be. 22 and a therapist. And that, that was, I mean, levels of painful because you work really, really fucking hard for your education. And, um, it's also very expensive. So yeah, uh, that was like very frustrating, but yeah, it's like I had, I had to constantly prove myself. And I mean, you know, if we see other people on the show and other people, even just in life, you know, when we talk about like female empowerment, it's pretty, whitewashed, you know, a white woman getting her degree, uh, becoming a therapist at 22 years old from a prestigious university would be like, you go girl. Like people would be celebrating that shit. And for me, people are like, no, like there's no way, like we'll terrible therapist anyway, because she's so young. Um, so there are definitely like levels, right. Of like racism, of colorism, of ageism, of sexism that like you kind of have to process. Um, and for me, it's kind of always felt like in a way I'm fueled by my pettiness where I'm like, <laughs> like, okay, like I'm going to show you. Um, and yeah, I mean, now I've been, I graduated in 2016. Um, originally I thought I'd be fully licensed by 25 and I'm still working towards full licensure because I've only been seeing clients for a year now. Um, but you know, now I'm planning to have my PhD by the time I'm 30 and throughout my PhD plan on trying to write a book, which feels very daunting, but I'm like, oh gonna try you to have enough. You have so much to say. Like I, you need like a trilogy, like straight up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot, like, you know, things I'm really passionate about. And like, I want to be able to explore anything that comes up for me in life that feels like it, it adds to my life and that it gives me energy. Talking about sex is always one of my favorite things to do. So mm -hmm. I'm like, this is definitely. <laughs> um, no, with now with all of those things like in mind, and as we're kind of closing off the conversation, do you have any like tools or techniques that you personally like um, that kind of help you overcome or just like, make peace with, you know, the way other people are going to perceive you and perceive your race mm -hmm. and your intelligence, like how, cause it's, I remember the first couple of times that our organization got some feedback or just some negative, mm -hmm. um, comments. And I was like, so sad. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't imagine like mm -hmm. on the scheme that you have, how you handle yeah. that. So, I mean, Unfortunately, haters gonna hate, right? Um, mm -hmm. well, people are uncomfortable, and unfortunately, when people are comfortable, they often lash out and often try to shame and blame. And I love Brene Brown, and, and she identifies blame as like the discharge of uncomfortable emotions. So, like, people feel that discomfort within themselves, and then they put blame and shame out on other people. And the there's a few things I tell myself. Um, one of them is like to be unapologetically me, which means literally if I make other people feel uncomfortable, I'm not going to for that. Um, I think I internally remind myself, I say this so often, to live my life in alignment with my values. So 
first it's like identifying what are your values, right? And I'm sure even starting this organization, you have a mission statement, right? You've got your purpose, you've got your values. As long as you're staying true to that, you are, you're doing exactly what, what you're meant to be doing. You're fulfilling that purpose for you. And at the end of the day, you are the most important person to you. And I know that, you know, we try to move away from being egocentric. We think that taking care of ourselves is a bad thing. Yet we also live in such an individualistic society. And honestly, at the end of the day, all you have is you. You live with yourself every single moment of the day, 24 hours a day for literally your entire life that you are who you live with. And I always think about that where I'm like, it's not to be like, oh, I'm so alone. Woe is me. But that it's like, I got to stick up for me. The only person I can depend on truly to stand by me is me. And therefore, I need to make sure I'm honoring myself. So am I living my life in alignment with my values? Am I honoring and respecting my heart, my mind, my body, my soul? Where am I putting my energy? And People can come at me, can come at you with all their disc discomfort, right? All their shit, all their insecurities to throw at you. And it's not yours to pick up. And part of being a therapist for me, I, you know, I'm very, very intentional about boundary setting. And, you know, with my clients, their problems are not my problems. Like, that's not my problem to fix. Their, their successes are not my successes. Um, and so when someone brings a problem or, or hates on you, right? Like that's really not my problem. As long as I am honoring myself, as long as I am living in alignment with my values, that is the most important thing. Because especially if I want to be able to help other people, I, I gotta be right with me. I gotta be at least working towards that and being intentional about that every day. Not to say that some days are going to be really hard and you're going to have your shit all over the place, right? But having that as a priority, having yourself as a priority is essential because you're going to, you're really going to fuck yourself up if you're always living your life in alignment to please other people. Um, so it's not necessarily like a specific technique, more of just like a philosophy and maybe rant, uh, but that's kind of how I process and, and deal with it when people do try to come at me with, with hate. And again, there's, there's a difference of getting constructive feedback, um, which I'm very open to, and I'm sure you are as well, but most of the time, that's not what it is. And that information is valuable for me when it comes from people who have earned my trust and who know me. So that's, that's my thought on that. No, I, I love that. And I think that, you know, as women, it's something that we're not really conditioned to do. And it's mm -hmm. something that I've had to learn to do over time. I was very much 16 to 18 year old Felicia really loved to fix other people's problems. And that yeah. just, aged yeah. her at 18 years old. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you just saw the stress on me. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think that it's, it's such a good way to just, you know, set boundaries and remove yourself and you can still support people, but you, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, leave space for you to grow and um, mm -hmm. just 
just appreciate and take care of yourself as you're, you know, helping others, which I think is super, super great. Um, But as we close off, I love to ask my guests what they would tell their, you know, 15, 16 year old self, because our listeners are pretty young. Mm -hmm. So is there any advice you would give to yourself that, you know, in your early or late to mid teens? Yeah. Oh boy. There's so much I could say on that. Um, I will leave it pretty simple at just telling my 16, 17, 15 year old self that you got this and you're enough just how you are. Um, I always felt like I wasn't enough. I shrunk myself down and I would definitely just remind her that you got this, you're a queen and you are more than enough and it's okay to be you. I think that's, I think that's really great. And I think especially now in our society, it's, it's really hard for young people to feel like they belong, um, especially with, you know, everything that's going on politically and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, how race plays into a part of that. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. Uh, do you want to plug in your social medias again and let everyone know where they can find you as we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so people can find me at Taymocha, T-A-Y-M-O-C-H-A on Instagram. And then we also have the podcast Instagram page, which is let's talk about it underscore podcast. And the podcast can be found on any major podcast app. Um, Instagram at Tamoka is probably the best place to find me. Um, and Tamoka is not because I'm brown. Um, it's <laughs> because my first cat, her name was Mocha Joe, and I'm like full out crazy cat lady over here for life. Um, so I like combined our names when I was little, and I feel like every time I share my Instagram name, especially now, I have to like explain that and be like, it's not because like I'm Mocha and I'm like brown. It's like because I love cats. <laughs> I love that, uh, that just yes. little tidbit to know. Um, yes. That's yeah. super cute, though. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate you having this conversation with me. Yeah, um, thank you. Thanks again, Taylor. I'm so thrilled to have you on the podcast. And you know that before we go, I can never forget to mention My Plus One. My Plus One is breaking down barriers and disrupting outdated taboos regarding self-pleasure with their line of beautiful, affordable, and approachable vibrators and sexual wellness products. All of their styles are designed with body-safe materials and encased in soft silicone, making every product waterproof and skin-friendly. All of their toys are ultra-hygienic and easy to clean, providing self-pleasure with the touch of a button. While many sex toys are expensive, My Plus One is super affordable and accessible at your local Walmart, CVS, and on Amazon. So make sure to check them out at underscore myplus1 on Instagram and check out your local providers for product availability. But I just wanted to thank all our listeners again for taking the time to listen to the Ladies Let's Talk About Sex podcast. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and stay tuned for new episodes every Monday. I'll see you next week.